Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Murat, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Toddcast Show. Today, we're joined by our guest, D.P. Knutton. How are you today, D.P.? Oh, I'm doing great, Todd. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. I'm really glad to have you. Where are you calling from? I am just outside Madison, Wisconsin, the capital of Wisconsin, in a town called Sun Prairie, which happens to be the birthplace of the famous artist Georgia O'Keeffe. Wow, no kidding. That's yeah. got to be neat. So it's not just about cheese, beer, and hockey there, right? Well, yeah, you know, down here, especially near Madison, where the University of Wisconsin is, it's all about the Badgers now coming into uh, football season. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, I remember I had a friend in high school that was from there, and he had, um, you know, explained things a little bit. He was a hockey player, so that's how I learned about that. He drank a lot of beer, and that's how I learned about that. And then, of course, Wisconsin cheese. I mean, who doesn't know about Wisconsin cheese or, or wants some? I'd, I'd like to try Wisconsin cheese, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, it's the best in the world, in spite of what exactly. French may claim. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, there's always a little bit of rivalry there. But hey, you know, people love their cows. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And um, were you born there? Uh, no, my parents were both university professors, so we moved around the country a little bit. I was actually born in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow, no kidding, Cleveland. How about that? So you are a musician. I, t I mean, I know because I saw your your studio, but like you're a musician. And I'm guessing Cleveland had something to do with that. No, actually, uh, I'm a uh -huh. hack musician. And uh, that, what that means is no one pays me to do it, but I love to do it. Uh, you saw my wall of guitars and stuff like that because I have a bad gas 
syndrome problem going on, guitar acquisition syndrome. Once you've got bad gas, you'll never get rid of it. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm so glad that didn't go the other way. I was like, man, that's, this is a first. We're going to hear about uh, a bowel disorder on the Tanya. No, no, no. <laughs> it's a guitar disorder. Yeah, for sure. No, I got you, man. Actually, um, I just moved uh, not that long ago, about four something, four and a half months ago now, from uh, Arizona to Nevada. And my friend that I was living with in Arizona, Man, I think he said his count was up to like 50-something guitars and basses, and um, it's ridiculous. Now that I moved out, um, he's much happier because he can, uh, you know, he's got them hanging all over the walls and the ceilings and like everywhere, man. Like they were all jammed up, and now they he gets to spread them out. But yeah, a ridiculous number of guitars and basses, and somehow he has a connection with every single one, and you know, could tell a story about them all. And I'm just like, you gotta be kidding. Um, just one, you know, I, all, all I need is one. Like I have a bass. He gave me a bass out of his collection when I left. Cause I'm like, man, I'm really going to miss being able to just sit down and play music with you or whatever. Do you, do you think that you might like to get rid of one of your basses? And so he went through and picked out one of them that, you know, I now have cause I should have an instrument too. That was my instrument for a long time, but like I kind of lost touch with it. But man, that guy, whew, yeah, you he has gas like, woo, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, better better hope he doesn't let it fly in the elevator because everybody's getting sick. That 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 kind of gas, like way too many guitars. <laughs> yeah, I'm making a silly joke, you know. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> that's awesome and so as a child um did you grow up with siblings are you an only child or no i had uh well i have two siblings who are still alive a sister and an older brother and then my immediate younger brother passed away in 2007 which kind of blows my mind i'm really sorry for your loss brother yeah thank you that's awful um that's that's really sad um and and were both or are both of your parents still alive no, they've, they've uh, both passed. My mother passed as recently as, oh, God, what was it, like six months ago? I mean, I've, I've reached that age where everybody is starting to um, yeah. shuffle off this mortal coil, if you will. And uh, yeah. you know, that's an interesting situation to be in. I grew up as a little kid, never, ever going to a funeral. I would see things like funerals on TVs, and they were just abstractions to me. But now it's like, oh my gosh, every time I open an email or get a phone call, it's it's some uh, less than stellar news. Yeah. Yeah, you're telling me most all of my family is dead. Um, there's only a few of them left, and the ones that are left don't want to talk to me. Is that nice? Like, oh, yeah. It's really quite amazing how some people can't cherish life, you know, and like appreciate certain things. I, I'm My mind is blown, so, you know... God bless you, man. That's a good thing. Um, at least you have some of them left. Do you keep yeah. in touch with your siblings that are still with us? Uh, a little bit. We were not the closest of families growing up. I mean, for family for us was kind of a intellectual exercise, not a heartfelt one. And uh, our parents prepared us brilliantly for life as an adult, intellectually, but maybe there could have been a little bit deeper Uh personal, heartfelt, emotional level of a relationship that frankly, it, it, it just isn't happening or it doesn't work as well. You know, mm -hmm. meanwhile, 
my wife and I, we have three daughters. We are determined to heal the, the deficits in our life. She, you know, was the child of divorce, as was I. We are determined that will never happen. And our family is going to be close knit and we will be, be our hearts and our hands and our brains are open to however our children happen to be, because I've found that the best way to raise great children is to love, 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 love. Yeah, brother, you're exactly right. And, um, it's huge. And you have to always remember that you're the example and it's your responsibility. And by the way, you made these things, you better take care of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but it's amazing to me not to deviate too much here, but, um, it occurs to me that, you know, some people are well-equipped and some people are ill-equipped to be able to provide that sort of, um, you know, that sort of interaction because they don't have the capacity from their own experience to, to do it, you know, and it took me a long time to understand and, and some really special people that have kind of stepped into my life and didn't been able to help correct me. But like one of the reasons I think my mother ended up the way she did, um, unfortunately was she didn't learn what she needed to learn from her parents. And, oh yeah, you know, yeah. if, if she did, you know, and it's not because they didn't provide the lesson, I can tell you that because I grew up around my grandparents and they were a fantastic example of a really healthy, solid, you know, couple. And of course, you know, maintaining Christian values and that sort of thing, at least from my perspective, it was like that. But yeah, it's weird to me sometimes thinking about it. Like, you know, you'd think we all would just rise to the occasion and live to the full potential of love and, you know, maintaining a really healthy interaction with family. But like, sometimes we get lost. Why do you think that is, man? Like, what's your take on it for people that don't have that grasp of it the way that you do? What do you think is missing? Well, I think a lot of it's related to intergenerational trauma and things like that. And whether you uh, heal it or perpetuate it, even um, innocently, uh, people who choose not to face the gorillas in the room are going to be mauled by those gorillas. They're going to be torn apart by those gorillas. And I think the, the hardest thing for me to accept, but ultimately I did was that just because you're, uh, in a family with them does not mean you have to be with them your entire life, because there is such a thing as toxicity that is not reparable. And at one point or another, sometimes you have to let them go. I, I don't know if you follow Mel Robbins, who is a really smart woman and great thought leader and all that, but she has this thing called let them. Have you heard of that? I have not. Okay. So, uh, she, she points it out like this, like, uh, I follow her on TikTok and things like that. And I see some of her clips and she'll be talking about Let's say that you, you have your parents and you have small children and you would love for your parents, those children's grandparents to be more involved with their life. Well, we, we live in a kind of weird time because there's an entire generation of grandparents who are like, uh, let me take some photos of them and I'll see them once a year. And I just need a little bit of details about their lives. So when I'm talking to friends, I can mention that my grandchild is a ballerina and my grandson is interested in boats. 
and they don't care to know. Yeah, that's they don't, my mom, man. Yeah, well, they just don't care to get involved for some darn reason. Well, Mel Robbins yeah. came up with this great idea, which is let them. If they don't want to be involved with your children, let them not be involved with your children because it's not on you. It's on them. Let them be who they truly are. You are sure. not. You are not going to get a parent like that to give a crap if they don't inherently give a crap. And it, it, whatever trauma they're living through, you you have no visibility to, right? Uh, I don't want to talk too deeply about my own family or anything like that in regards of tossing people under the bus. But um, my mother was a was an adopted child who lost her father at age 13 and only got to college because she was basically brilliant and was on most scholarship. And wow. when I, the bits and pieces I learned of her life, I'm like, how do, wow. And then one day it occurred to me and I asked her, why don't I know your father's name? I literally did not know her father's name. She never talked about him. And, and she just approached it like, oh, well, his name is X, Y, Z. And um, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that was an opportunity, mom, for you to fill me in about how we was or whatever. And she just didn't do that. She literally did not do that. And so applying the Mel Robbins let them rule, it's like, let her not tell you about your grandfather because... She doesn't want to, and I can't make her and be okay with that. And so I kind of am, but I, I have to ask what kind of major traumas must it have been like to be an adopted kid growing up in the middle of Kansas and have your daughter or ha and have your father die when you're 13 years old? Cause in my head, I thought, oh, her father died when she was young. So she doesn't really have a memory of them. Well, I happen to know based on my daughters that at age 13, they were pretty much fully formed as individuals and they have a very clear idea of who their mom and dad are. Of course. So that, so that idea that she didn't have any stories to impart or any family lore to share just blew my mind. But then again, I'm not going to take on that burden and say, why couldn't I ferret that information out of them? The answer is... They didn't want to talk. And so I've learned to let them not talk about such things. And that's, yeah, man. it's terrible because I have so many questions for my mom and she's passed away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot, actually. Um, you know, I, uh, ironically in, in this episode that we're doing right now in September, it won't air until I think at the end of November or beginning of December, just, just for your awareness, but also I'm talking about a time that's already passed. So when somebody hears this, I'm, I'm talking about something that happened right now. So like just this last weekend, I went to a three day Christian men's retreat in Big Bear and it was really powerful. But, um, one of the things that I, you know, and to me that was like a new thing, but I found a really great church here in Las Vegas that has uh, shown me that. God is, I mean, not only real, not that I needed a reminder, but it helps, um, but like present and some 
really beautiful people. Like I've been able to establish really healthy, good relationships and, and what feels like a sense of family, um, which is what it's all about, you know, but long story short, you know, I, uh, I really had a hard time because my mother and two brothers did something really unbelievable and despicable that I can't mention. They did some terrible things and uh, there's no question about that. Um, but like it's always been difficult for me because I had a hard time forgiving my mother, you know, and as a Christian, you know, I want to live in my in my word and my beliefs and like we are taught that we have to forgive you know and forgiveness and reconciliation are the two things but sometimes reconciliation is not safe as it would be in this particular situation um but like you know at least forgiveness and then that way it takes the burden off of our heart because i'll tell you this that kind of crap has cost me so much emotional and mental energy and it created trauma that's taken like a really really long time to process like 15 years man and just kind of ruined me so it's like wow but in all reality the best thing is is that finally and it's been a tough thing but like i went to this christian retreat thing with a couple of intentions and they tell you leave it on the mountain you know it's like whatever problem it is you're struggling with you know the goal is to leave it on the mountain and come back home it's and be free from it right like through whatever process that it ends up happening and so mine was about my mom and uh you know i really wanted to stop you know even though i feel like i've forgiven her you know i still might i still might think of her in a really negative way although she's earned the title it's just not healthy for me to be thinking that and so uh I mean, dude, the craziest part for me, and, and I'll shut up about this, but I just had to share because it, it was really kind of amazing, is I wasn't really thinking about it at all during the weekend. I just wanted to surrender it to Jesus, you know, and God, please take this burden from me. And uh, I will trust you to handle the justice and, and balance things out, you know, because that's what we normally think of. And uh, <laughs> after the whole weekend, I came home i quit smoking cigarettes too on sunday which i'm very proud of and will stick with no question um but then the next morning i woke up and there was a proverbs 2020 and uh, just i never really got a message like this but like it happened man and it it, it, it specifically addresses the idea of cursing your mother and father and it says if you you know if you do that you'll be snuffed out your, your lamp will be snuffed out you know so it's like holy crap i can't let that happen you know what i'm saying like we're trying to live it's like i'm in my 50s now and it's like i don't really want my lamp snuffed out because i've got negative thoughts against my my mom you know um yeah but i was and, just, you know wanting to share and ask if maybe yeah. you could speak to that kind of thing you know well, I kind of can because I have no idea uh, if our situations are anything similar, but there was a period in my life where I was basically disowned by, I want to say my father, not my family, but because my father was very dominant and my family wasn't terribly close, when he kind of cuts off everything, everything stays cut off, if you know what I mean. And for the longest time, I was... Uh, angry and bitter and stuff like that. But over time, I started to realize what forgiveness really is. And forgiveness is a one-way gift, mostly to yourself. Because being able to forgive, one, 
he never thought he needed to be forgiven. He, you know, he found a way to weasel out of everything when I would confront him with, this is exactly what you said to me. Well, what I meant was, or, well, you have to understand contextually at the time this was happening and crap like that. And it's like, dude, you cut me off from the family. Yeah. And he, he just, he, he never accepted that. Several so they got to address it. Yeah, well, he, here's the thing, trans, people who transgress, very few of them own the transgression. So, forgiveness, am I going to let this thing eat me the rest of my, my, eat at me the rest of my life? Or am I going to give him the gift? I forgive you. I totally forgive you. I am, I'm not forgetting this, but I'm choosing not to think about it every five minutes, you know. I am giving you forgiveness. You don't think you need to be forgiven? That's fine, because the forgiveness is really a gift to myself to say, I don't have to worry about this whole situation anymore. I'm not going to forget it. It's absolutely affected the way I am and how I live my life. But by forgiving, I give a gift to myself. I unburden. You know, you you mentioned that you're looking to uh, pass that burden on to Jesus uh, or your religion and, and things like that. Absolutely. It is a burden. You can unburden yourself by giving, forgiving, and giving that gift to yourself. Yes. That's a beautiful way to put it. And and honestly, for me, it's like losing the baggage, you know? I yeah. used to joke think, you know, just women have baggage, but no, 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 no. We've got a lot of baggage as men too. Oh, let me tell you, especially as men, because we have no outlets for that baggage. Yeah. Women can get together and they can vent and no one's trying to fix anything. They just let them get it out. They express the boil, if you will, get all that pus out (laughs) and they feel better and nothing's been fixed but they've been able to express very few men have a venue for that. And that's actually one of the major weaknesses that we have going on right now, especially in the United States of America as male. You're so right, man. And, and actually I'll tell you, that was probably the most significant part of this last three day weekend that we had. And I mean, I cried every day. I cried at different times. And the thing that makes me cry the most is like, hearing all of these men sing together, man, and like talk, you know, like their hearts crying out, dude, for God. Oh, yeah. And and there's everything from like hardcore gangbanger biker guys and different people to like normal people and everything in between, and they're all unified in that spirit. Oh, yeah. It's really quite beautiful, dude. Well, exactly. And the thing is, if there were any women there, that could not have occurred. Yeah. And it's well, the only women actually were in the kitchen, but that's only because it was a you know place where people had to work and stuff. But there right. were women in the kitchen, otherwise, they are completely non existent in the places where all the men were. You're exactly right. Well, and I'm not suggesting women shouldn't <laughs> in situations like that or anything, I'm just saying that no, no, I understand. there has to be a bonfire around which men gather. And they tell stories across the bonfire. But, you know, it's been said over and over that women, when they talk together, they talk looking at each other. Men, they sit next to each other and talk to each other, but don't 
make eye contact necessarily. I mean, think of yourself going fishing on a boat with a guy. You'll get into, <laughs> you'll get into conversations about everything and you will never see his face because you're out there fishing, you're doing something else, you're talking deeply. And that's not a deficit. That's just the way we as animals choose to be vulnerable. Male to male eye contact generally starts with a level, a certain level of aggression. Why? Because you're a male, I'm a male, I'm sussing you out, you're sussing me out, eye to eye contact. One of us kind of releases the tension in their body. We subtly notice that and we go, okay, we're not in an aggressive situation. We can now relax a little bit. Oh, and by the way, I'm ultimately relaxed when I stop looking at you because I'm no longer fearful of you. When oh, I am not looking at you, I am comfortable with you. And that's when we can start having conversations about something other than the local football team or, you know, cars. Oh, yeah. You're talking about traditional men, though. Like, I don't, I don't know that all of us fit in that category, man. Like, to me, it seems as though, like, uh, I've always felt this way, you know, and I like the saying, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And mm -hmm. when I look at a man or a woman, I want to see into your soul to, to be able to feel you and understand who you are beyond the physical. And so when I look into somebody's eyes, I don't feel any tension or any type of uh, confrontation ever. And there's no threat. There's no nothing. And like, uh, it doesn't matter who it is that I'm doing it with. But well, but, he, like, he, but here's the thing. Like, you may not feel it, but they may feel it incredibly. For example, I am. Yeah, I'm not even aware of it. Yeah. Well, I'm six foot three plus. Me I'm too. Six three. Yeah, six. Okay, six three, two hundred and thirty pounds, white not male American. Yeah. If I stand up too quickly, people in the room shrink away from me because they think I'm, oh my God, the, the the gorilla just is standing up. To me, I'm like the nicest guy in the world. I'll do anything for you. Um, yeah. I may be a little perceived a, as a little bit too intellectual and a little bit arrogant on that side, but that's kind of my personality. Sorry, that's just the way that oh, works. Man. Hey, at least you're aware, brother. Oh yeah, but seriously, especially women, and this is not a slam to women because they're protecting themselves. They have to view every man as net threat until they discover that, oh, you're not a threat. You're actually someone nice. Like I, I just had a conversation with a woman about maybe doing some collaboration work together. And we are talking about how she might do some workshops that are kind of primarily directed towards women because she has a great message for women and she's, but she still wants me to be involved. And I told her, and this is just me being honest and me being aware of it. I told her, we can do this if you introduce me to the women. Because if, if a woman curates me into their universe of other women, I'm fine. Because, and I went through the description of being six foot three and all that stuff. And I kind of summed it up by saying, because at, the way I look, the way I act, when I get energetic, I get excited. When I get excited, some people get scared. Other people get thrilled. The difference between thrill and fear is like one degree of separation. A, and all you have to think about is a, go up on a, a, you know, a thrill ride at, a, at Disneyland or something. 
it's thrilling until it gets scary. And then you're scared and then you're thrilled, you know? So it, it it's a very subtle shift. The, the, and I told her, you, I am a bear. I walk in a room like that and I'm a big bear. But if you bring me in to the room and introduce me, I'm not a grizzly bear that's going to kill you. I'm you're like a black mastiff, a beautiful, a nice big ass dog. Or better yet, I'm like Yogi Bear, this yeah. kind of fun, entertaining, interesting, exactly. uh, cuddly animal. And the shields go down because here's the reality, and men don't get this. Most men don't get this. For most women, shields are up all the time, and they have to come down. Only when they perceive that, oh, you're not a threat. You're not going to talk over me all the time. You might do a little bit. I'll give you a little bit of leeway there because when people get excited, they'll talk over people. So that's okay. Um, but are you going, are you dangerous to me? And there's, there are various levels of danger, you know, in terms of uh, sexual danger, physical danger, emotional danger. Uh, professional danger. Are you going to treat me like a peer or like an order taker? You know, all these things. Once they realize that, oh, you're okay, the shields start coming down. And that's when you can have a real relationship. And by the way, yes, I love looking at people's eyes and look into their souls exactly as you described. But I understand that can only happen when the shields are down. And it, for a lot of people, it takes time. And but usually it happens with just a, a smile, man. Like, I mean, you can smile and look someone right in the eye that you've never seen before. That stuff happens every day. Oh, like, yeah. I, it's it, never a problem. As much as we like to separate ourselves from our, our simian friends, our uh, mm -hmm. uh, and the bonobos and the chimpanzees and the apes, we are seriously <laughs> apes and animals. Yeah. And we still take our cues the same way they do. If, if you can, well, like even a handshake, I don't know about you, but when I meet people, I like to get a handshake with them and fist not bump. a fist After bump. COVID, it's a fist bump. I know fist bumps don't give you data. Handshakes give you data. And what I mean by that is a handshake, how weak, how warm it is, how weak it is, how strong That's it is. Right. Is it, is the person way. trying to squeeze your hand? Well, the person who goes for the hand crush. They're jerks. I don't want to deal with them. But if it's a firm handshake while looking eye to eye, I go, okay, right. we're cool. And if it's a weak, wet fish, that yep. gives me data too about, oh, uh, I might be scaring you or you never had a father who taught you how to do a handshake. Todd, did you have a father who taught you how to shake a hand? Yeah, man. I mean, and other things too, but like I've always known, you know, a nice firm handshake. It might've been, even been my grandmother or my grandfather, I apologize, um, who did that to be honest with yeah. you, as I recall. Well, and that's a learned behavior that yep, has to be taught. Right. And if you don't have someone to teach you that you could be suffering, uh, through a first impression that is not indicative of who you really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally hear you, man. Um, and speaking of which, actually, I just realized, like, this is, <laughs> you're quite a flowy guy, Mr. DP. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just kind of, we would have, like, uh, a really good time with some coffee or beer and sitting, you know, in your room and talking about things for hours and hours. I could tell it just goes by a little too quick almost. Um, oh, absolutely. What I would like to do, can I ask you to reach into your childhood memories and see if there's something that you can share 
that would kind of help distinguish and define where you saw yourself, you know, in the future, something related to your eventual success. Cause I know that you do something really special now that helps people. Um, but I'm just kind of wondering how maybe something, you know, we're, we're not going about this in the normal way. I just don't want to miss it. Um, yeah. If there's something that you can think of that helped define you as a child, you know, what that looked like, just kind of for other people to relate when they're listening, you know, and it's uh, really a common experience that we all have different things to find us in childhood. And I always find that to be fascinating. If there's something there that stands out, I just like to identify it. Well, yeah, I can point to it very specifically because I've actually written about it in my new book, uh, Nonfiction Brand. Perfect. When when I was, I had to be about third grade maybe, um, and we had one of those teacher in-service days, you know, where they'll learn new techniques and stuff like that. And so for one of the presentations, they had, uh, you know how sometimes if you were one of the, they call them gifted and talented program kids um they would sometimes ask you to hey we're, we're doing this workshop for teachers can we have your son or daughter come as a participant to actually work through some of the stuff that we're going to be doing they invited me along with a handful of other kids at you know third graders to come in and what i realize now it was a workshop for using improvisation with kids to teach them things uh, about themselves and, you know, teaching and stuff like that. So they had us mime a room and the rules were, there's a room in front of you. We were in the gymatorium, right? Up on the stage and the teachers in the, are on the basketball floor uh, yeah. watching us. And we are on stage and they said, okay, in front of you is a room. In that invisible room is only the things you put in it. So one at a time, you kids take a piece of furniture and put it in the room. The only additional rule is that if someone puts a chair in the corner, that chair is still in the corner when you bring your piece of furniture in. So I'm watching this and the first kid, kid goes in and kind of poorly mimes picking up something, walking into the door of the room and placing it on the ground. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of boring. And then another kid does it. And the whole time I'm thinking, well, this could be a lot more fun. So the house that we lived in had a sliding glass door to the backyard. So in my mind, the door that was created by the first kid is not the only door this room could have. Right. So instead, I mime picking up this huge couch and manhandle it around the, the square of the room toward the front of the, the front wall, which was facing the audience, because in my mind, I'm putting a sliding door there and then I'm going to struggle to move this huge couch into the room. Well, the whole place started laughing because here's this third grader who's doing a whole performance and I had never done anything like that before, but it just seemed natural to me. And they're just laughing their heads off. Everybody is just having a great time. And, you know, I, I think there might've been applause at the end of my doing my thing. And that's all I remember. But I remember the feeling of getting laughs for the very first time. And I remember the feeling of performing on a stage for the very first time. 
And literally that stayed with me my entire life. So much so that uh, I got a degree in theater from college and then went on to do a, a year of um, Master of Fine Arts work at USC in Los Angeles, uh, working towards an MFA, which I didn't finish, which is one of the big regrets of my life. But um, uh, there's a whole lot of reasons for that. But that idea of being a performer is still key to everything I do. You know, whether it's mm -hmm. podcasting, whether it's doing presentations and keynote speeches for groups, I am always out there to entertain and educate and engage all at the same time and uh, by the most effective means possible, which is via the telling or what I like to say, the showing of stories, the mm -hmm. the real relating of stories. So that's yeah. that, that was an absolute key moment in my life that I still think about. That's beautiful. Um, this has been way too easy, man. Like, uh, I got, I got to try to hit a nerve here. <laughs> and I don't mean that in any kind of a negative way, but I, I want to dig something out that doesn't normally get talked about that had sure. value and, you know, the context of our conversation. And I've got to ask, um, and it's, it's okay if you say no, but I'm pretty sure that you'll have something spontaneous to say. Um, what would you say to each of your parents right now if they could be, if they could just pop back into your life and be alive and sitting next to you on the couch? What would you say to each of them? I, I think I would start with an apology and say that I am sorry that we weren't able to have an emotional relationship on a deep, a level as deep as I would like to have. And I am going to only accept that which I can accept, which was my lack of ability or energy or desire at the time of even trying to make that happen. I recall a creative director I had, uh, we were talking about some stuff like this and he said, do you know what I did? My parents weren't terribly close. You know what I did? I said, what did you do? He said, I got a 1-800 phone number. I'm like, what? I got a toll-free number. And this is back in the days when, uh, you know, long-distance calls cost real money. Yeah, and, I remember and, that. Right. And if you have parents that grew up in th the 30s during the Depression or the 40s during make World War II, call. they would not make a long-distance call unless it was after 6 o'clock on a Sunday. That's right. Went That's down. right. That's right. Wow. So he knew his parents were naturally shy on making long-distance calls. So he bought a 1-800 number only for them. They could call it at any time to talk about anything at any time. And he said it took a little while for them to get used to it. But then once they did, especially when they were, were retired and had nothing but time, he would start getting phone calls all time, day or night, just kind of like, yeah, I was thinking about getting a new TV. Do you know anything about this uh, Toshiba? You know, and that's dad's way of saying, I was thinking about you and I just thought I'd call and talk to you. Yeah, that's so cool. I love it, man. I love it. Um, okay, we better shift. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and was that to both of them or was that just for your father? No, well, uh, that would have been to both of them. You know, I accepted okay. the fact that I, what I know now, and again, this is where my daughters are helping me out. They they went to school all during COVID, as you know, uh, or, you know, they had to do it remotely. And there's a reason this younger generation is uh, facing mental health challenges. 
they they're facing stuff we never had to growing up. And right. I'm not I'm not one of those people who bash millennials or whatever the the generation following them is because they're facing challenges we never had to face. I look yeah, at that's my a childhood. I look at my childhood as a uh, the last free range childhood. My parents uh, opened the door in the morning. We played outside all day and had to come back when the streetlights went on. Mm-hmm. And we would stop by for a peanut butter jelly sandwich at lunch, but. Otherwise, we were gone all day and they were not around. I look at that as the biggest strength and character building exercise any generation could have. This new generation, the challenges they face, uh, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Anyway, my daughters uh, are are, are teaching me that mental health is not something to stigmatize or hide. And Mm -hmm. so I'm learning from them. And I'm learning, uh, late in my life, by the way, I'm, I'm after 60 years old, dude. I mean, I'm watching, I'm ain't come on. You're not 60. Yeah, I am born 1961. You gotta be kidding, dude. No way. Well, but that's, no, you really don't like it at all. You're as old as you act. I act 13. So I'm, I'm right up to 13 than 300. I'm but, 51 uh, and I feel younger, but I hate my gray hair. So we'll have to talk about Oh, you got to lean into it, man. Because. Uh, oh, you know, I, I have hair dye for that now. And I've, I've accepted it and I'll rock the gray hair sometimes. But every now and then I just can't stand looking at it in the mirror. So L'Oreal and I or Revlon or whatever it is. Yeah, we'll you know, I, I get that. I get that. But <laughs> there's something about. Uh, well, let me share this idea with you. I was going to. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off. I'm no, sorry. you're OK. But I'm I'm learning that um, I I have long suspected, long, long suspected that I had some version of ADHD or some level of it. I am convinced of it now. And actually that's my superpower because I am so gadfly when it comes to stuff. Uh, And that served me well my entire creative career. But the the one thing I wanna say about your your, uh, hesitancy to embrace the gray is that you have to understand something. You earned every single one of those gray hairs, not only by overcoming or surviving something, but by learning something. And I have reached the level of my life that I call the Yoda years. Okay, you don't, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know exactly what I mean. But if you're not, just understand this. Young Jedi warrior Luke Skywalker is all over the place swinging his lightsaber, killing people or, you know, stopping the Empire from taking over, all that stuff. Meanwhile, Yoda is on Dagobah, the swamp planet. And when young Luke Skywalker wants to learn the real depth of Jedi lore, he goes to Yoda on Dagobah. Well, I'm Yoda on Dagobah. And I'm here about sharing everything I've learned, I've earned, I've experienced, I've, uh, you know, my entire career. And I am embracing the salt and pepper beard that I have that is 99% salt. And I have earned it. And consequently, that gives me tremendous credibility in the marketplace. In a marketplace where youth is paramount, wisdom is treasured. Go ahead, lean into the wisdom, man. Get the treasure by being the treasure. Look at it, dude. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. Don't don't run away. I I used to. Okay, 
you're a bass player, so you know exactly what I say when I had a little bass player flavor saver forever. A little <laughs> chin under my lip strip, yeah. you know, uh, call it the under the lip strip. And I thought right, that, that made me cool. <laughs> yeah, I thought that made me look cool. No, I, I look back on photos and go, no, it makes me look like I'm a bass player in a dad band. Right, 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 right. Like a hipster or something. That's the right. thing. Yeah, I love the terms that you're using. That's oh yeah. Well, now I embrace the the salt and pepper beard so much so that my my brand colors are black, white, and maroon. Um, mask. It's a uh, masculine color palette. I'm a guy, very clearly. I have yeah. the 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 salt and pepper beard that makes me look mm, professorial, maybe a little more authoritative. All of these things, and I'm leaning into that aspect of me. I'm no longer the swashbuckling sword fighter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm Gandalf the Gray to swap movies, by the way, to the Lord right of the Rings. Oh, and, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and acceptance is a tough thing for some people to even engage in because there's so much stuff going on in their head, they don't even ever get to that point. So, you know, I love that you pull that out and to be honest with you i'll try to look at myself a little differently because i just started a marketing company i've been doing marketing and web development and different things related to seo and graphics for over 20 years and um i've been working at TurboTax, and uh i don't know if you saw the news for this but TurboTax um did something quite despicable actually and it was uh getting rid of a bunch of people to use ai to do their jobs and so what a surprise you know, there's a bunch of us that were supposed to go back in three months and then they changed it to like seven and eight months like oh, for a God. lot of us and uh, it's really uh, quite disturbing and then the news article really minimized it it said that there were hundreds of jobs replaced by ai but it was actually thousands and from what i understand close to at least twenty thousand people um wow. huge you know and so um i've decided to embrace all this and thank god for being led to the right place because i started a company and i'm turning the tables on all this and using ai in my marketing operations and teaching other people how to do machine learning and you know marketing automation and stuff like that so jokes on you well no but you're doing exactly what i preach about building a personal brand and embracing it Long story yeah. short, I was a creative director at ad agencies. I was take the, your time, bro. I, I I was the creative engine behind the wall that only some people knew. You know, like so, direct clients, they knew me, they understood me, they appreciated me, all that stuff. But when a push came to shove, my name was not on the door of the ad agency. If your name is not on the door, you are by definition a replaceable commodity, right? Instead of a premium brand. For, That's right. You know, I was the shoemaker's child that was barefoot in terms of branding myself for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And that did not serve me well when I reached a certain age. And they, like if an ad agency has a downturn or loses a big client, first thing they do is pull out the spreadsheet that lists all the employee salaries and goes, well, I can keep one of him or three of them. I'm going to get rid of the one. Yeah. And you know, I'd be the first out the door because I'd be the highest paid person in the creative department. And that was, uh, that was so stupid of me for not actually building that personal brand that was able to do what you're doing. 
you are now a personal brand that is using AI, not as a replacement for you, but as a tool for you, the craftsman to use. That's right. AI is a tool. Exactly. The question is, are you going to become the craftsperson that wields the tool? Mm -hmm. And by the way, they call carpenters carpenters, not hammerers. <laughs> Meaning, they yes, they use a hammer, but they also use a saw. They also, also use a ruler. They also use blueprints. They also, mm -hmm. you know, a carpenter is a higher level function thing than someone who uses a tool. So the question for everybody in this audience is to say, okay, what am I that is not just defined by the tools I use? So even a writer, like I would say a, a writer is a big thing that I do. Writing is still a tool for what I do. What I really do, the, the top principle, the highest principle thing I do is create. I am a creator of ideas, of thought leadership, of fun stuff, of videos, of a podcast, of books, of, of, of all those things happen because I'm a creator. The thing that you might want to do for yourself is think of what I call the key three. You can only have three. Why? Because that's all our brains can hold. Three things, right? At a time. Mm -hmm. Who are you? What are you? Uh, what do you do? And how do you do it? So for me, those three things are create or creative. I am creative. I have to be creative. I cannot be operational. I am creative. You will get ideas from me, not spreadsheets from me. The I do both. Yeah. Well, there you go. Then you, then you have value that needs to be understood by people and you need to do it in a way that they can really understand. So yes. the next word might be a word that applies to you. I'm collaborative. I have to work with other people. Amen, I am brother. I am not a poet up in a garret writing stuff that no one will read. I will write websites, I will write books, I will uh, perform on podcasts, all that stuff. But I will do it with other people the same way right now, Todd, we are doing, we are collaborating right now. That's right. And yes. the third one was the hardest one for me to understand. But I found out what it was by asking the people who know me best. Literally, simple question, what do I do best? I expected them to say, well, you're pretty funny or you can write well, or you, you come up with good ideas. I expected something like that. Almost to a person, they said, the thing you do best, you always make me think. And I was yes. like, oh, that's interesting. So that's a cool compliment, bro. Well, it is. And what I realized was, uh, I challenged people. I, and the word I came up with, because I wanted it to, to be creative, collaborative, I needed an, an if word. I came up with provocative because that's what yes. I do. I provoke ideas and sometimes with a little bit of poke Is, is it provocative or evocative? No, I'm provocative. I provoke you to think awesome. more. I provoke okay. you to think past what you think is possible or even acceptable sometimes. That's my value. And if I don't do that, I'm actually not providing you the best value. That's so creative, provocative, uh, 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 let me say that again, creative, collaborative, provocative. Everything I do should scream creativity, collaboration, and a little bit of provocation. So 
if I have provoked you, Todd, or your audience to go, well, I don't, I don't agree with that, or oh, that's interesting. Let me think more about that. I've done my yes. job. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, actually. And um, we should focus a little bit at this point. And I told you the time would go by really fast. I didn't know oh, yeah. how fast. You're a great communicator. I'd like to do another episode with you sometime, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, anytime. There's, there's so much, man, that we can cover. It's like this has just been like a fun, normal coffee conversation. Well, uh, that, but that, I what happens, sure. that's what happens when you lean into your Yoda years. Yeah. Yeah, we're just cruising, man. Like, there's no destination, brother. It's it's yep. the ride, man. I just try to keep it around an hour, but like, it's all about the ride, you know. Yep. I, I t I've learned that as an older person. It's very important, not the destination. Yep. You know, there's a great many destinations, yeah. You know? And like, why would you want to miss the opportunity to smell the roses on the way to your destination? You know, it's like you don't want that. So. You know, people rolling around from destination to destination might be missing the moments of their life right before their eyes. Oh, that's hard. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. So let's just kind of bring it all home um, to help our listeners understand. And we never really did this in the beginning, but maybe we should uh, tell them exactly what you do and how you can help other people. And then let's make sure that, you know, we have a little uh, something that you can offer um you know, to help them kind of see the benefit of why they would come to you and what, you know, kinds of value you can bring to other people's life. Cause I know there's an awful lot of things that you do along those lines. Well, yeah. Um, thank you, Todd, for this opportunity. Uh, what I do is I help people discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand that they already are. And when I say, uh, help people, I mean, Companies under 50 employees, because let me tell you, if you started the company, the DNA of that company is you. And so what you need to do is to capture that DNA and communicate it so completely that your uh, everything you do kind of goes through that lens of what that DNA is, is. So when you hire people, it's a question of, do they share the DNA that we have? If the answer is no, you don't hire them. Because the hardest thing to do is create a culture in a business. And the only way to sustain that culture in a business is to defend that culture. And that culture is you. So let's define that first. I want to make it easy for your listeners to actually see what I'm talking about. They can go to dpknewton.com, K-N-U-D-T-E-N.com slash gift. And you can download three different worksheets that are a little bit about personal branding, but also two worksheets about how you can immediately start building your personal brand starting today, literally today. And they're, they're absolutely free. You don't even have to sign up for my email list if you don't want to. But uh, I want to help people literally figure out that which they are so they can be it. Like my bumper sticker saying, is know who you are so you can be it because a lot of people are being stuff that they are not like i i heard you before we went live start talking i think you said the word influencer <laughs> yeah i went yeah i'm right there with you man because a 20 year old influencer does not influence me in the slightest meanwhile no they don't know any adults who have and, and it could even be a 20-year-old. Like Simone Biles could be a very heavy influence on a whole lot of people because of what she's actually done with her life. 
in terms of gymnastics and uh, uh, you know, athletic achievement. But yeah, I wish it was all about that. That would yeah. be really neat. But some people, you know, fart on a microphone and like everybody's in love with them. I mean, just ridiculous behavior and nothing that you'd ever want to be influenced by. But somehow, you know, they're, you know, they're but here's the reality is you think they're doing incredibly well. No, they're doing incredibly good promotion for themselves because scratch anyone who's a, a fantastic or successful coach and you'll find someone who just got laid off from a job and is between jobs and they're looking for something new, but they're, yes. they have nothing but time. So they're going to promote themselves on LinkedIn like crazy. That's right. Not everybody's yeah. like that, but plenty of them are. But my yeah. point is we are all influencers. And again, uh, I, I make a, a point of this by saying, pick the most arcane, narrow, niche industry in the world. And there is one person who is the recognized king or queen of that sector. And why is that? Yes. It's because they've built their personal brand to a point where people go, well, we need a keynote speaker at our association event. Well, we got to get Jim because Jim is the guy. Why is he the guy? I don't know, but I know Jim is the guy. Why do you know Jim is the guy? Because Jim has made himself the guy yeah. by leaning on that which he knows best and shares yeah. openly and gets credit for. Here's the thing. Yes. You are now doing what a lot of people need to do, and that is take credit for that which they've done for a faceless organization forever and now you can own it and it's yours because your name is on it and you use whatever tools you need to, to make that work, but it's all based on you. And that's yeah. where nonfiction branding comes in. That's what I do. I help people find their nonfiction brand, whether you're a company, whether you're an association, whether you're an individual. Yes, I have branded individuals. Real quick, um, we don't need to be like, it, 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 the time doesn't matter, man. Like we can spend a few extra minutes here, but I really wanted to uh, touch on something that I think is really important, but I think it also speaks to the heart of your message. Could you talk a little bit about authenticity? Because that's my personal brand is I am a very authentic person and I choose to be that way because I've hidden behind my uh, excuses and emotions and facades and filters before and I find that being real and authentic is really important in the world. And I wonder if there's always a time and a place for that, or if, you know, there's a time to withhold authenticity. Could you speak to that a little bit? Well, uh, okay. Authenticity, a word that is much, un uh, much embraced and maligned at the same time, uh, is oftentimes misunderstood because uh, a lot of people think authenticity is being quietly emotional and I'm sharing everything about myself. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't need to know who you voted for. I don't need to know who your favorite sports okay. team is. I don't need to know the name of your dogs. It's helpful to know that you're a dog person because then we have yeah. something to associate with, but that doesn't mean that I need to know all that detail. However, and we all know this, the picture in your mind, if I say used car salesman, you've got an idea in your mind. And that idea is some guy in a bad looking sport coat trying to put you in a car that's going to fall apart 10 miles down the road. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Why is that? Because those used car salesmen were fronting this kind of slick sales transaction only attitude. And mm -hmm. the second you're off the lot, they don't even remember your name. That's right. That, that to me is the opposite of authenticity. Meanwhile, yeah. you go into a business and you've probably walked and think about businesses that this has happened where you walk in and they say, hi, can I help you with anything? And you say the reflexive, no, I'm just going to look around and they go, okay, great. Let me, let me know if you have any questions. And then you look around, you find something that you're actually interested in. You have a question and you call them over and you say, Hey, um, this, I want to know this about it. And they go, well, great. Let me tell you this, this, that, and they just help you tremendously. And then they do the very best thing, which is look, tell me how you'd like to use this. You know, that's right. Yeah. And then they go, right not there. the one you want. And they'll say, and you'll say, why this one looks to be the best one and say, no, based on what you want to do with it, this one's better. It's actually a little bit cheaper too, and it's on sale. So you might want to consider that because this will actually suit what you want to do with it better. That's you know, there, do you remember the old uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the black and white uh, holiday mm -hmm. film where Santa Claus uh, works for a department store and a little kid gets on his lap and says, I want this specific toy. And the Santa Claus says, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have it here in stock. However, Gimbel's three blocks to the West does. And you're like, wait a minute, you're in a business trying to transact business and what you've actually done is serve a customer so well that you're going to have them go someplace else to get it. Yeah, because I'm not about transaction. I'm about relationship because here's yes. the difference. A transaction is a one and done. A relationship is an entire lifetime of potential transactions. Yes. You're so right. And it's important. And that's part of why I believe authenticity is so important because it really taps into that um, connection element of our human experience and allows for people to feel a sense of truth and love and consideration. Um, maybe even, you know, some compassion in there. Um, but being authentic is just someone I think that's really outgoing and motivated to be uh, interacting with others in a very honest way and very uh, holistic, you know, with no agenda or anything yeah, really. And, you know. and I want to add a layer to authenticity that no one ever talks about. Please. If you're authentic, you're absolutely accepting of people who don't buy you or buy into you or are interested in you. Mm. What I mean by that is, you know, obviously I, I am, I share my opinions openly, widely, and freely. A lot of people don't like that. And they, sure. well, I, I kind of sum it up by saying, I like to serve my tea hot. Yeah. Because hot can always be watered down or moderated to a cooler temperature. But if I don't serve it hot, I'm of no value to you. Guess what? Yeah. A lot of people don't like their tea served hot. And they can vote with their feet and their dollars to go elsewhere, which is fine because here's the reality. If I don't have to waste my time on you, who won't like me ever, I can lavish all that attention 
on people who do appreciate what I bring to the table. Yes, yes. and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's right. Totally I'm being cool. authentic and saying, you know what? You might not like me, and that's okay. Good luck. And by the way, if it's not a fit that I can serve you well, I'm going to hopefully come up with a recommendation of someone who I know will be perfect for you. Right. Because, yeah, that's the way I roll, too. I love it. I love it. That, that reminds me of a quick little share. Um, so there was the, I, when I moved to Nevada here, you know, of course, one of the things I'm thinking about is dating and wondering, you know, where I'm going to meet women and this and that. And I want to stay away from the ones that want money and, uh, you know, never go into a massage parlor, that kind of thing. Cause that stuff is all over this place where I live, um, near Las Vegas. And, um, there was this one girl and she was kind of cute and, you know, a little bit younger, but still, you know, looked like somebody decent. And we talked a couple of times and what really struck me about her is she remembered my name. Yeah. And that really meant something to me. And I was like, you know what? Good girl. And, and her name was uh, Lauren, actually. And I remembered her name. I said, Lauren, right on and walked up and gave her a fist bump. And then uh, after I got my Slurpee, because it was an incredibly hot day, we rocked 117 degree temperatures here in this area for more than a week. It was gnarly. And uh, so I'm getting up there. And then finally, you know, we're just kind of chit-chatting and everything. And I said, you know, I'm going to ask for your number, right? And I thought that was the easiest way to, like, try to make a personal connection. And, man, you know what she did, which actually turned out to be the coolest thing ever. And I had so much respect for this. And I really actually kind of giggled to myself and I still think about it. He said, Oh, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm not interested. She, she was able to communicate her truth in such a straightforward and honest way that I couldn't help but respect it. There was not even an inkling of rejection. It was just like, you know what? I really appreciate that you're aware of that. And the fact that you communicated that. And to me, that's okay. Thank you. It's good to know you anyway. You know, it was yeah. the coolest experience. And normally we, as men take that as a rejection or whatever. And I just really appreciated her ability to be authentic. Yeah. You know, that, that was just something that spoke to that. And it's another way of looking at it for people listening. Um, authenticity is speaking your truth and yes, being an anchor in a rock of solid, you know, honesty and, you know, truth, justice, those kind of things. It's like really important. You can't be a charlatan and authentic at the same time, except you could be an authentic charlatan, but you know, it's like, why would you want to do that? So yeah, it's very important. Very important. And I had to hit that topic because I know it ties in a lot with personal branding. Why would you want to engage in somebody's brand if it wasn't authentic, if it didn't represent a a sense of truth or purpose that resonates with your goals or whatever it is that you're engaging with this particular individual or company about. So the personal branding to me revolves around truth and uh, that communication and desire to deepen and, and, and incur relationship instead of transaction. You hit it all. You know, I'm going to actually have to really sit and think about some of this stuff because I really like some of the points that you were making. And, you know, it's really important for people to recognize the difference between transaction and relationship. It, it, those two things are so different. And, you know, it's better to always look for the relationship. And there's people out there that really want it. And you might not know, but like just a simple smile or 
saying hello to somebody might just change their day. And there's people out there suffering. And I was one of them for a long, long time. And, you know, it's like somebody that said something shitty to me might really affect me in a negative way. But somebody that said something nice and loving or, you know, positive really changed my attitude while I was feeling, you know, really depressed. And so we should really all look at that in our lives and how we can reach out to somebody in, in an authentic way and engage in exercising our personal brand. And to wrap it all up, um, uh, the personal brand really has nothing to do with business, right? Like we're talking about your particular image and persona as though you were kind of a business, but it's really about an individual in their interaction with the world, right? We're not just talking about business, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. I Personally, I don't see any separation between the personal and the professional. There okay, should, or perfect. put it this way, there shouldn't be. I mean, uh -huh. uh, you know, if, if you're a church-going person on Sunday, but a, a shyster used car salesman on Monday, um, that doesn't work for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, if you're Catholic, it's okay. All you have to do is sit in the little room and tell the guy and everything's cool. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work that way, at least from my point of view. But everybody's a little bit different. And again, yeah. one of the key aspects of authenticity is authentically accepting the fact that not everyone's going to buy your tea. Yeah. And that's cool. Because you know what? There's a lot of people on this planet. Like, unless you live in a small town like I used to, it's like, man, there's people everywhere. So you just yeah. have to interact and engage and find a way to, you know, find your spot, man. And, you know, it's there for the taking. I think all of us have that potential. And I don't know if everybody really understands that they can actually achieve it. And when it happens, it's a really beautiful thing. And, you know, it just changes the whole dynamic of life. So totally worth the effort. No question. Any thoughts that we might want to uh, capture here that might have been missed? I, I hate to do this. And I know we're getting close here. We're over time. But is there anything that might be on your heart or in your mind that you feel is important to share with our audience today that might be helpful to someone listening? Oh, one of the big things is that a lot of people view the things that are happening now in a, as a threat. And I understand that. I mean, uh, AI, like you said, is going to wipe out entire sectors. Yeah. yeah. Like if you're an over the road trucker that, you know, haul stuff from a depot in Chicago to a depot in Los Angeles, it's only a matter of time before those self-driving trucks take that job. That's right. They're already so the question is, if you're a trucker, you need to think about that and, and be ready. So what are you going to do? Well, I'm telling you the best thing to do is to not view everything as a threat and start using, uh, thinking of them as tools, the way that you are. Todd, you're a great example. You lost your job because of AI. You are now creating an entirely new business based on AI. That's that right. is jujitsu, man. You are right on, challenge and you're flipping that coin and you are changing it from danger to opportunity. That's yes. the way to look at it. The key thing uh -huh. is the way you look at it. For example, uh, I wrote down one of the things we were talking about earlier that, that kind of triggered an idea. So much of aging, especially if you're, you know, an older person is 
this incredible sense of loss. I have lost the ability to do this. I can no longer do this. I, it's all about loss, loss, loss. Flip that script, man. It's not about loss. It's about unlock. You now have unlocked. One of the biggest things as you get older is I've unlocked the I don't care uh, door. I don't care about so much stuff I used to care about terribly. I don't care what you think about me. I'm okay with me. Do you yes. know what kind of powerful unlock that is? I haven't lost anything. I've unlocked. And so yes. I'm focusing on the unlocks, not the losses. How about that? That's perfect. That is perfect. And people listening, take that stuff to heart, you know, because, man, we go through the days. I learned a lot about this this last weekend, talking to men in a very vulnerable way, you know, and uh, that the access that you were talking about that's not normally available was totally available for three days with 400 Christian men worshiping Jesus. And it was a powerful experience to interact with some of these different people that have been through stuff and you know, there's a lot of struggles that we have and sometimes we don't even realize they're a struggle and, and, you know, you end up losing your marriage or a relationship with your kids. You don't want that, man. And there's a better way. So thinking about yourself as a personal brand is such a brilliant concept. And the idea of engaging in the world is, you know, you're a walking, you know, you have value to recognize that you have something to offer the world and give and share and, you know, that's your thing. And uh, all of us have it, whether we know it or not. It's just some of us might not look for it. And I would encourage anyone listening, you know, to reach out to DP and have a conversation. I'm assuming that's exactly what you do, right? Like if somebody comes and finds you on your website, absolutely. and they have a time to have a chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. Just go to dpknewton.com. You can learn about Everything I do, you know, the the whole nonfiction branding philosophy and practice, uh, my keynote speaking, uh, you name it, it's all available there. So DP Knuton, K-N-U-D as in David, T as in Tom, E as in Edward, N as in nothing dot com. <laughs> right on, my man. And uh, just out of curiosity, what's your favorite song to play on your guitar? Oh, oh gosh. I One of the funny things is I don't really go try to play other people's songs because I don't want to be a poor imitation of whoever the artist is. So instead yeah. I'll write songs and I, my favorite song is the one I'll be honest is the one I'm writing at the time awesome. of the conversation. So, uh, it's funny when you write songs, you kind of fall in love with them as you write them and then yeah. you kind of release them as you go sure. work on a new one. Well, how about this? Because um, I'm a musician also, and I've been making music forever using the keyboard, and I do a lot of electronic and different types of dance and mellow, ambient, all kinds of weird stuff. What style of music suits the hits your soul the hardest? How about that? Oh, oh, geez, so many. It, like, it's, not a, it's not. It's not a specific style. style. Well, no, it, because well, I am always impressed by musicianship. And that does not mean musical technique. Uh, my, like, if you said, who's your favorite guitar player, I would say Stevie Ray Vaughan, period. Okay. Why? Perfect. Because I love blues, but I love his phrasing. I love, like, I, yeah. I, I think about, um, he did the guitar solo in David Bowie's Let's, Let's Dance. Yeah. The very spare solo, just these little bursts of 
you know, and I, every time I listen to it, I go, those were the perfect notes played the perfect way for that song. How do you do that? So um, there's not a single genre that I appreciate. It's the musicianship. And by the way, music does not exist on a page. It exists on a stage. It has yeah. to be performed live by human beings. And I understand you may like a little bit of EDM. Sorry, I love my uh, music touched by human hands. Loaded. No, 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 no. I, I make the music with my hands. Don't don't get me wrong. Oh, okay, Just, uh, good, good. Style. Yeah, keyboards. And I use keyboards and all because I'm not talented enough to play the guitar. And uh, so I use keyboards. I can play the guitar on a keyboard and other things. And it, 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 yeah, I understand where you're going, but it ain't like that with me. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I like the, I like the human mistakes that are yeah. encased in every piece of handmade music. And yeah. by handmade, I mean performed acoustically, even if it's an electric guitar or an electric piano. Totally. Like you hear Stevie Wonder's touch on Superstition playing that Farfisa. Oh my God. It's so it's good. way off the charts for me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I would consider myself to be a little bit of a hack, but when you hear my music, you wouldn't know it. Um, I tend to do things step-by-step uh, step so like I can make really interesting, complex, you know, melodies and different songs. I mean, a couple of my songs have over a hundred tracks. There's one with 200 wow. that's, you know, got classical and jazz and all kinds of elements. And it. it's a very complex piece, you know, and it's like that. But then there's other stuff that's like a straight beat and guitar and bass and some keyboards and this and that and blah, blah, blah. So it like, it all depends. It's just a beautiful expression, you know, and I think in music, it's really neat that we get to express our souls in a way that other people can take that in and, feel something from it maybe it adds or takes away hopefully not um from their day you know and really makes something uh, a little bit better for somebody and i ain't talking about top 40 because i don't know yeah all that. uh, <laughs> that's over that's overproduced it's it's like uh craft velveta cheese overproduced homogenous you know yes. give me active cultures give me a nice uh, blue cheese from the driftless region of Wisconsin, man. Yes, that tasty yes, stuff. You got it exactly right, man. That is perfect place to end it. I appreciate you very much for being on the show today, DP Knutson. Knutson. Don't yep. want to get confused. You said it's like canoe with a ten at the end, right? That's right. For anyone listening, so think canoe and ten can have 10 beers in that canoe or 10 lures exactly. for your pitching trip or whatever you want but canoe plus 10 and that's it with a d now, i really appreciate you for sharing and just being so open and authentic really you've expressed your personal brand quite clearly and i i really uh am glad that we met and you're very interesting and i'd love to have another conversation in the future oh yeah absolutely todd thank you so much for having me on the Toddcast. Right on, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being here, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com 
To find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira, be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.